Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. You can open up your Bibles, if you have them, to Mark chapter 2. The book of Mark is all about Jesus, and as Allison just said, we are in a series called Love Like Jesus, and rather than being a series where I give you a bunch of new things to do, uh, I really want to spend most of our time focusing on the way that Jesus loves us. Because if we want to love like Jesus, we'll actually want to get a good picture of that. But also because uh, if, as you walk out your faith journey and if you've received Jesus and if his spirit has come into you, you are noticing or you will notice that there is this life that starts to flow out of you. And there's uh, even some nudges that God will give you along the way. So it, it's not a list of things to do, but rather an awareness that Jesus himself is in you, and then as you live, to live out of that reality. So I've been thinking a lot about Jesus' love this week, right? Good thing for all of us. Uh, And last week in particular, I was stretched personally by the width of God's love. Were you here last week? We talked about just how wide God's love is. And you think about some people that you maybe wouldn't want to be friends with, or that maybe you have a hard time receiving or loving or accepting. Like God loves them and he receives them and he accepts them. Like his welcome has no limits. His invitation goes out to every single person that's ever lived. And that, when it really comes down into the real world, uh, is stretching for me and probably for many of us. Uh, But just as last week we were talking about the width of God's love, this week we're going to talk about, a little bit at least, about the depth of God's love. So we will just pray here a second, and then we'll read Mark 2. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. I pray for all of those who are coming uh, to this place with a world of hurt that they carried in. I pray that through this time that you would meet them, that you would speak to them, that you would heal them. I pray for anybody who's coming here just feeling emptied and lost and alone, that they would be enveloped by your love, that they would experience it here today. So tune in our minds, not to what I'm saying, but what you want to say today, God. And wake up our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Mark 2. This is one of the Gospels. It's all about Jesus. Mark 2 is especially concerned with what Jesus is doing. It's like one of those really fast-paced TV shows, right? You think it's going one way, and it just like, he's flying all over the place. He's doing all sorts of things. Uh, this is very early in the book, and it says here in Mark 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Uh, some commentators think that Jesus actually owned this home uh, at this point and then later left it to continue his ministry in different places of Jerusalem. Some people think that this is Peter's home. 
But the idea here is that Jesus has come back to a place that is familiar, uh, to home. So soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And I have just a picture of what that might have looked like. Uh, They didn't make roofs back then the way that we think of roofs. There's no asphalt. There's no shingles. Uh, They would have probably had these wooden beams that then would have been packed down with like some wooden or with uh, clay and straw. And so when the Bible says they dug through the roof, they literally dug. So this is, uh, this is not clean. This is messy. This is grimy. This is dirty. Uh, it gives you an idea of just how uh, invasive this would have been and really what these guys had to do. Uh, it's kind of like uh, this afternoon, we're taking a few youth out to a neighborhood uh, to, to serve just because we want to help and show Jesus love. Uh, one of my neighbors actually who has MS and we're going to get muddy and we're going to get dirty and we're going to pull weeds, right? Like that's what it means to love people sometimes. So uh, let's keep going in verse uh, five. So these guys lower this paralytic, this guy who cannot walk uh, through the roof so that they, he can get to Jesus and seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. And blasphemy is kind of a fancy word, a technical word here for, for you're, you're dishonoring God. You're doing what only God should be able to do. You're, you're scorning him. Like, how dare you? And this is a serious charge in that time and place because uh, the religious law and the, uh, the state law in Jerusalem, at least Israel, was, was kind of mixed together. And, uh, well, we'll just keep going here. They, they say as much, only God can forgive sins. So in a sense, they're saying, you're claiming to do what only God can do. And the penalty for that is death. But Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, right? Uh, this is pretty interesting. Some of us here have experienced God do this before where we don't know a person, but God reveals something to us about that person. We call that, uh, in this place, a word of knowledge. So Jesus gets here a word of knowledge, right? The Holy Spirit has revealed to Jesus what is going on in the hearts and minds of these people. So he says, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. So I want to notice a few things in this passage this morning. Uh, The first is how this man gets to Jesus, right? It's an obvious piece of the story, but the application is, is important. Like, this man couldn't get to Jesus without help. And this text doesn't identify who these guys are. 
they might have been friends of the paralyzed man. It might be that they had been helping this man for years and decades. And as a paralyzed man, he would have needed help getting his groceries. He would have needed help getting his water. He would have maybe even needed help toileting. Some of you uh, are giving your lives to people in this way, either because it's your occupation or it's because you're just, you're the kind of person who walks with people long-term, who's willing to get dirty, who's willing to get messy. Like you thought digging through a roof was messy. Like it gets messier than that, right? When you're walking with someone long-term and not just in the like, man, my hands are dirty sense, but uh, as as you walk with people long-term who are hurting, who are sick, uh, it gets relationally messy too, right? You're, you're bound to hurt each other's feelings. Uh, you're bound to get into these seasons where it just, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, but I love the person, so I'm going to keep doing it. Or I love people, and so I've committed my occupation to helping people. Uh, maybe, maybe because you're a nurse, or, or maybe because you're a hospice care provider, or, or whatever, but you've given your life to caring for people long-term. That might have been what these men were doing. It might have been that they had a long-term relationship with this man and they, they did the natural thing when Jesus came to town. They picked him up and they took him. It, it doesn't say, though, that that's the case necessarily. These might have been strangers. And maybe one of the reasons it doesn't identify who, the man, who these men are, uh, the text is implying, like, you can help people in both ways. Both are valid, both are good, both are legitimate. There's no way that this man gets help from Jesus unless he has people to carry him to Jesus. Like this is a kind, caring, loving act, whether it was a one-time thing or, or, or like just the result of years and years of relationship. So I want you now to think about ways that people have shown you love. Think about the the times and places where you felt the most love from somebody else in a specific, practical, tangible way. Like this man received when these guys, I imagine that there are four guys, but like when these guys took uh, the paralyzed man to Jesus. So let, let me hear what people have done for you to show love. Meals. Uh, like when? When both of my knees were recuperating. Meals. When you're sick. When else do people give meals or receive meals? New babies. All right. Okay. What else? What have people done to show you love? Think of something specific. Like, was there a time specifically in your life, maybe it was this year, maybe it was 10 years ago. Comfort. Housing. Construction. I know that Ken is working on a basement. I've experienced that from people in this church as we were working on our kitchen. Somebody else over here. Moving. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody who's not here who shared uh, the other week that the, the, was it the most loving thing that they had ever had done for them is that all four kids were sick and they didn't have any Lysol wipes. And so they sent out a text like, help, I need Lysol wipes. And somebody brought Lysol wipes to the house. Like really simple thing. 
She, she said, this is the most loving thing anybody's ever done for me. They brought me Lysol wipes when I couldn't leave because all my kids were sick. Anybody else? Transportation. Uh, somebody said always being there for you. So I'll just call that friendship. Child care help. Yard work is a good one. Phone calls. I'm at home. I'm not feeling great. Somebody gave me a call. Or maybe shot me a text. Or sent a card. Or listened. I'll tell you, one of the times that I received love uh, from a friend, it was my very first week of my master's program. And I had received news that my parents had separated. And so I called my friend who was in Chicago. I was living in Michigan at the time. And I said, I'm not okay. Uh, and he said, I'm on my way. He dropped the phone and his homework and everything, and he drove to Michigan because he wanted to be with me to show me love and support. I received love from him in that moment. Anybody else have anything they want to share? To love like Jesus is to care in sometimes practical ways, but you know what's really the most important Every single one of these things is not just the meal received. It's not just the Lysol. It's, it's the expression of love. You care enough about me to show up when I need you. Am I right? There's, there's a, a connection here. And one of the things that we're doing in this church, and this is a, this is a loving church with, with both a lot of needs and a lot of resources, and, and part of loving like Jesus is trying to get people together so that the needs are met and the, and the resources are not just money resources. I don't mean that, but like, but care and love and yard work and, and construction. And, and I had a baby, so I, I need meals and, and, you know, like the list goes on and on. Um, we want to actually make sure that there's uh, a system in place to make sure that that you guys can find each other and provide for each other. Um, and I use that word system and somebody thinks, oh, that sounds like a cold word that corporations use. No, I think a system can be the most loving thing in the world. Uh, and it really is about handing off uh, ministry to all of us. There's this pretty cool thing, like as, as we follow Jesus, we all get to do the work of Jesus. We all get to be those guys who carry people to Jesus. Maybe it's in a very specific way that they need something practically, or maybe it's sitting with them and hearing about their pain or comforting them in their grief, or you name it. So I, I have a little video that I would like to show that kind of explains where we're going as a church, because Jesus cares, we too want to care. When you look at the life of Jesus, there are stories all over the Bible of how he met the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people. He cared about every aspect of a person's life. 
At the Vineyard, we want to love like Jesus in the way we bring holistic and practical care to people, along with hope and healing. I'm really proud of our church for being a warm and welcoming place to come and be loved. And you're already doing a great job of caring for each other. We are building a care system to connect those of you with needs to those of you who can help meet those needs. That means no matter if you're already in a life group or you're newer and not yet connected, you don't have to go it alone. Hello, we're the Brewers. I'm Dwayne. I'm Minty. We are excited to be the care team leaders. We want to love like Jesus. He gave us two basic commandments, love God and love each other. A key component of loving others is to provide support when needed. Jesus instructed us to do this and service to each other was an integral part of the early church. On a personal note, Dwayne and I have been able to provide help to others. Recently, we were on the receiving end. Both of us had knee replacement surgery. Individuals from our church brought us wonderful meals and many stayed to eat with us. That was one of the highlights of our recoveries. Both giving and receiving are true blessings. We do want to love like Jesus because it reflects his heart. It's something that everyone can do. There are many ways to serve. Everyone has a talent or skill they can offer. So whether you want to be routinely involved and offer ongoing care and support, or you can provide a one-time practical service to someone, there's a spot for you on the team. While life groups will still be one of the primary ways to care for each other, we want everyone in our church to feel supported and to be able to provide support for others. We're developing a process in which you can inform us of a need and be part of the team which meets this need. Each of you has unique skills and abilities. Perhaps you enjoy preparing meals or you're good at listening. Maybe you enjoy visiting with folks or you can provide transportation when needed. The possibilities are endless. We would love to hear your ideas. When a need arises, we can contact you about ways to help. We will also be visiting life groups to discuss this process. We really look forward to developing and implementing this process with you. So this is exciting. I'm really excited about uh, the launch of this care system. It's not that we haven't been caring for people before, uh, because like I said, you guys, when you know about it, you step up and, and you're willing and eager to help, uh, just like Jesus is. But we're trying to make sure that, you know, people are getting matched up. And so we're building this team uh, led by Dwayne and Menti, who are over there. Wave. Uh, and what you can do right now is grab your connect card and you'll notice on the back where it says care team, there's a place where you can check, I want to help. And what that's gonna do at the very least is it's gonna get you on a communication list where you can hear and learn more about this. But uh, as Dwayne and Minty said, we really do want your ideas. There are some obvious examples of things that we wanna provide like uh, when people are sick or, uh, or grieving, you know, like a, a personal support contact person or, you know, people who are willing to bring meals to people who have just had babies or who, who are just so overwhelmed with, with something that they're, you know, spend a lot of time cooking meals. But if you have ideas, uh, if you have places that you are willing to serve or support, uh, just write those 
in that little lined paper spot over there to the right. And maybe, maybe these ideas come from this list or from your own uh, memories of people who have shown love to you. Uh, maybe, maybe you're really good at, I don't know, listening. <laughs> you could put listening on that little spot on your Connect card. So fill these out, and then when we receive the offering, you can drop these into those black boxes. And one of the ways that we're going to hear about uh, needs is just this ongoing Connect card. There's, we'll develop other ways to kind of find out about uh, what the needs are, but as you write down prayer requests, that'll at least alert us to like the reality of what you're going through. Okay? So Jesus cares. He cares deeply for you. He loves you deeply, and we want to show that in practical ways. But the other thing uh, to notice about the depth of Jesus' love is that Jesus is concerned about kind of our externals. But he's as and maybe more concerned about a person's internal realities. So maybe you noticed uh, this paralytic is brought to Jesus. And you might think, well, Jesus is in like the healing business. He'll probably snap his fingers and, you know, show us a, a cool miracle and the guy will stand up and he'll walk out. But instead of doing that first, Jesus realizes that there is something going on internally with this guy. And so he says, what? Your sins are forgiven. This is, this is the internal uh, brokenness. This is the internal chaos. This is the internal storm that Jesus cuts into. You know, you think about what it means to, to love deeply or to be a deep person, right? It's the sorts of things that go deeper than the surface. If you're a deep thinker, you're thinking about like the really true, meaningful questions of life. If you're a deep feeler or a deep person, you're always going down to the like emotional level of, man, I'm, I'm feeling distraught or I'm feeling joyful. And they're the kind of people who want to listen to what you're going through too, or what sorts of deep thoughts that you have as well, right? Not just about the external. And uh, this is one of the things I also think that we're pretty good at here at the Vineyard. And so uh, this was last week, I think, that a bunch of people went out to Coatesville and handed out some basketballs. If you guys have been here for a while, uh, we every week collect money for our Four Corners offering. And a few months ago, we spent money to buy these basketballs to hand out in Coatesville. They gave out 108 basketballs in what, like an hour and a half? It was pretty great. Uh, one of the guys that came up uh, said this. Can you put up that, that quote? This is uh, someone sharing about the experience. A man approached us and we talked with him for about 10 to 15 minutes, expressing his appreciation and gratitude for what we were doing. So it wasn't just a basketball, right? It was a conversation. I always say this to the youth group whenever we go out and serve. I say, yeah, we're going to do some stuff. We're going we're gonna to serve these people, but don't forget that we're here for the people, not just to get the work done. We're here for the people. So uh, he said he's from New York City, 
and he has never seen anything like this before. He shared that in New York, he felt like he wasn't seen or noticed. But with our outreach, he felt like he was seen and loved. That's what it means to love like Jesus. Jesus loves you and he sees you and he knows you. And that's, that's what's going on in this passage too. Jesus' love is deep. And one of the, I'm just going to go Bible nerd on you here a second. Is that okay? Okay, one of the things that Mark will do is he'll create uh, what some people call a Markin sandwich or an inclusio if, uh, if you're into like the technical term. But uh, Mar- Mark will have two ideas or two words on the outside and it'll cue you to what's important. So did you notice as I was reading, it says when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later uh, for the news spread quickly that he was back home. And at the end, right, Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go. Jesus is saying something here by having these words on both sides. He's saying that one of the things that is most important to each of us is to have a place that we can call home. That guy that we handed the basketball out to, who he lived in New York, but it sounds like he never had a home there. Right, Because when you think about what it means to be at home, it is not just a place that you live. It is a place where you are known and loved and accepted and cared for. Home is a place where you can belong, right? He, he lived in New York, but he didn't ever belong there. Like it's a place where you can find family and friendship I mean, I remember when I was in college, I mean, I had friends in college, but whenever uh, I would go back to my parents' house, I would say, what? I'm going back home. When I graduated from college and we decided like, this is where we're going to be and this is where our people are going to be and this is where we're going to go to church and this is going to be where we share our, our life with people, we started calling Michigan home. Uh, We've been here about two years. We have considered this to be our home well before we bought a house. Because we feel like in this place with you in particular that we are loved and accepted and known and cared for. And I hope that you can feel that too, even if it's your first time. Uh, In fact, after the service, we're doing a vision cast, which is a place where we will talk about what it means to make this your church home. Like, what does it mean to take that next step into commitment here? Um, but as, as we will talk about in the, uh, in the vision cast, like, home is also a place that can get messy. Like, not just messy because people dig through your roof, right? They're messy because uh, where there are people, there are relationships, and where there are relationships, things can get messy, It's not a matter of if you're going to be offended. It's a matter of when you're going to be offended or hurt. And then what you do with that offense or with that hurt, right? If you've been here more than three weeks, you're laughing. If you've been in a church ever before, if you've been in a family ever before, you're like, yeah, I know. Man, home is a messy place. Am I right? Not just because there's dishes in the sink or toys on the floor. 
there's an internal messiness that goes on with home. But Jesus heals this man and he walks home, maybe for the first time in his life. Think about that. Jesus wants this man to have a home. And he loves you and wants you to have a home. A place where you can belong and be accepted even when things get messy. Jesus cares deeply about you. He cares deeply about people. Jesus' love is deep because he wants people to have this well-being at the deepest level. And you can't have that unless you have a home. Jesus, uh, though, is pointing us forward uh, to something else, something that will happen later. Uh, You'll notice that if you had your Bibles, like there's home at the beginning and the end of this passage. If, uh, If you have your Bibles open, in a Markin sandwich, the really important part is in the middle. Uh, like that, if you have a sandwich, that's where the important part of a sandwich is. The important part of the sandwich here, uh, found between uh, my child, or found between these two pieces of home are when Jesus says to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And, and to take this just a little bit farther to, to point us even more clearly So what Jesus is talking about, he says, and then Jesus turns. And when he says to the paralyzed man, stand, he's not just saying stand. He's saying rise up. Jesus is pointing us forward to a time when he will accomplish the forgiveness of sins and rise up from the dead. That's what our faith hangs on. Uh, The death, forgiveness, of our sins and then resurrection of Jesus. But, but like, what does that mean? What, what is it to be forgiven of sins? Now, sin is an ugly word. Am I right? Maybe that's actually the best definition. Sin is ugliness. And uh, you, can, you can think of sin in a variety of ways. Uh, I actually took my car to have my yearly state inspection and that is, it is a result of sin, <laughs> these state inspections. And, uh, and they say, well, your car passed ex- inspection, except, it's like, oh, great. Your strut's no good. How much is that going to cost? $1,200. I was actually hoping they were going to say something like 3000 because then I would just, like, buy a new car. Justify, then I could justify, not a new car, but, you know, like a new-to-me car. Uh, but I was like, okay, I got to think about this. Uh, I didn't realize that my struts were bad. Uh, but I went online and found two struts for 200 bucks. So my dad and I, my dad was here last week. We, we ripped the uh, tire off, and I was like, this strut looks fine. What's the problem? So we, but we change it and we put on the tire. Then we take the other side off. Oh, <laughs> this is why. Uh, there was oil everywhere. Like the, the strut is kind of like a shock in the car, if you don't know what that is. And it, it exploded, essentially. So there was oil everywhere. And the reason that I say is that sin is like uh, this, 
broken strut is, well, I didn't even really know that it was a problem. But you know what happens when your strut is uh, damaged or defective? The whole car shakes when you drive. Like, you're, the whole thing is affected by this, this brokenness, this broken part. And uh, just like our hands were covered in this terrible oil, like, sin, sin gets into things, like under your fingernails. And, you know, if I, were to, if I were to ingest it, it would be poison, right? So, so sin is this reality of brokenness. You could call it a cancer onto the universe. At some level, we are guilty of this sin, even if we don't know that there's a problem. I didn't know that my car was riding rough until I fixed it. And then I realized, Alice, actually, Allison was the first one to, to drive. It's like, did, did you change something that like makes the car a little less rough? I said, yeah, that's what the struts do. Oh, you know. Uh, once it was healed, once it was fixed, uh, everything came into balance, right? So Taking care of sin or forgiving sin brings things back the way that they're supposed to be. A sin, you, you can think of it as guilt that needs to be forgiven or a power that needs to be defeated or, like I said, a cancer, uh, not just out there, but in here that needs to be healed. And that is really what the depth of Jesus' love is all about. It is pointing us to the ultimate sacrificial act when he dies on the cross for our sins. So uh, Jesus says this in John. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. In order for our sins to be forgiven, Jesus had to die. But in that death, he's expressing a love that goes deeper than we can even imagine. Uh, this is the agape love that maybe some of you have heard of. There's, there's a variety of types of love that come through in the Bible. Uh, you know, there's friendship and there's affection and there's uh, eros, which is kind of like the erotic sexual love. But this love is the deepest kind of love because it is sacrificial because it is unconditional, and because it is selfless. You want to know what real love is? It is this agape love. And the greatest act of agape love in all of history is Jesus' death for you. And we, we reflect that love in all sorts of little ways. Like even these guys who brought the paralytic. Like it was a sacrifice. It was selfless to bring the paralytic to Jesus. They didn't do it for themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that when you do selfless acts that you don't receive some benefit. Like they walked away amazed, praising God. Hot diggity dog, right? They're excited. When you show love or care to someone, you're doing it for them, but like there's, there's a reciprocal thing that happens. You gave out basketballs last week, a few of you. Like that was fun, wasn't it? So, so just because it was fun doesn't mean that it's not valid. It says in the, somewhere in the Bible that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Like it was an ultimately selfless act and 
Jesus received joy from it eventually. Jesus loves you so deeply. He cares for you so deeply. There's, there's not even words for it. He cares for the inside. He wants to stop that storm that's raging in your heart. He wants to comfort that grief that has saturated every moment of your day. He wants to listen to your dreams and hopes and your despair. He wants to, at the center of your being, forgive the sin that wrecks everything. And guys, this is actually a compelling story. This is, don't take this for granted. I know you know, many of you know that Jesus died for your sins. And you know that it was out of his deep love for you. But don't forget how radical that is. Because there's other stories out there, okay, that people believe and people live out. And, and not, not all of us always remember this great news, but I was, I was watching on my deck uh, these two hornets. And we, we had bought these carpenter bee traps. Anybody else have carpenter bee problems? We live in the woods. And I didn't know about carpenter bees. But they, they dig little holes in your deck. Speaking of sin. Uh, so we bought these traps so that they would stop digging into our deck. And you can see they, they kind of look like these honeycomb things. But they fly in and then they're like, because there's this uh, combination of like old fruit juice and sugar and, and vinegar. And I don't know exactly how it works. But they get in and they can't get out. Right? They, they, they're drawn to this sweet smelling poison. And it's a trap. And so there's this hornet, and he's, he's like ready to go into the trap, and there's another hornet, and he's like, and he attacks the hornet because he wants it for himself. And they're like, they're duking it out. And I'm like, oh my, I've never seen this before. The, the one hornet killed the other hornet so that he could get to the poison for himself. Like, some people actually believe that that's the way the universe works. Right? It's all meaningless. You guys know the word nihilism? It's like there's nothing. There's no point. You know, some of you have read Nietzsche. Others of you don't want to know anything. You know, like that sounds like philosophy 101. Uh, if you had a good philosophy class. But anyway, like some people actually believe that as the story of the universe. A lot more people live that out right? Because they're trying to climb over each other for these things that they believe will give them peace. And like the worst thing for people is to arrive at the ultimate goal. Like the people who get there, the celebrities that have reached the peak of fame and, and, and stardom and, and wealth, they immediately are unsatisfied. Most of us will never experience that. Most of us will not reach the pinnacle, so we don't know what it feels like to have gotten there and still not be satisfied, like at the very top, because we always think that there's another rung to climb in the ladder. But guys, a lot of people are living their life killing each other, not actually killing each other, but like climbing over each other so that they can get to the thing that actually will not 
love them back, that will not satisfy, that will ultimately lead to their demise. It's like they're fighting each other for poison. We have a better story. We believe that God loves us deeply. This is our story, that Jesus would die for us selflessly. This is our story. Do you believe the story? Do you live out the story? Jesus loves you deeply. His love is wide, but it is also deep. This is the kind of love that pierces to the very deepest parts of you. That's what I mean. Jesus' love is deep. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.